Chapter 4 of Alice or the Wages of Sin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simona Russo. Alice or the Wages of Sin by Frederick Worden Pangborn. Chapter 4 The Unheeded Omen. She loved me for the dangers I had passed and I loved her that she did pity them. Men do their broken weapons rather use than their bare hands. Several weeks had passed since the night when Mr. Dodger had walked slowly homeward, pondering the probability of closer relations between his partner and his beloved daughter, and during these weeks Albert had certainly improved in the estimation of his senior. His graceful manners, his culture and good taste, and in particular his excellent methods in business, pleased the older man, and the more he began to know of him, the more he found himself liking him. No partners ever got on better together. The blunt, outspoken man of hard sense and the gentleman of accomplishments and real business ability found in each other the qualities which, while not perhaps alike or congenital, made each respect the other and like him for the worth which was in him. Albert took care of their outside interests, and Mr. Dodger guarded the business which was managed at the desk, each one knowing that the other was better fitted than himself for his share of the work. The firm of Dodger and Company was, in a word, working harmoniously and prosperously. Thornbury was everywhere, in the city and out, and always busy. Mr. Dodger was always at his desk in the corner of their building from nine o'clock in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon. Albert had taken rooms in a good hotel, and his bachelor quarters were such as the most fastidious gentleman of taste would have been unable to criticize. He had hunted up a few of his old chums who were living in the city, and was beginning to be well known in society. At the house of Mr. Dodger he was always welcome, Mrs. Dodger having taken a great fancy to him, and Alice, well, there was no evidence yet to warrant the assertion that Alice thought him anything more than a very agreeable person. They went to theatres together, and she was often seen riding with him in his neat buggy through the park, or as sauntering by his side, along the fashionable streets on a pleasant afternoon. No one could say that Alice was in love, but of Albert much might have been said, had the gossips known all that he could have told them. O oh, gossip, thou most villainous of all villains, thou intangible, impersonal, yet ever-present, always existing bane of society, what epithet can I apply to thee, which shall contain enough henbane and other noxious poisons, metaphorically speaking, to filthy qualify thee, thou blackener of the good, thou smircher of the innocent, thou coward of cowards, polluter alike of thy victim and thine agent. Heaven pity the man with a past, the woman with a fault, if they ever get within thy foul clutches. Rather a thousand times would I be falsely accused before the harshest tribunal of the land, than that my name and honour should fall under thy notice. Thou wretched and seldom punished sinner against the goodness of mankind, thou sneaking accuser, judge and jury of us all, trying cases without warrant, rendering verdicts without evidence, condemning without right or reason. Had the gossips known, but they did not know, Albert Thornbury's past, 
was three thousand miles away in that great burial ground of many pasts london and he knew that it could not follow him to america it was an unpleasant past but after all it was not so bad as it might have been and was not nearly so bad as that other past of which he had almost ceased to think at all knowing that that at any rate could never come back this later past had worried him sometimes but it could not trouble him now for it had been left behind ah could he have known that instead of being left behind it had preceded him to america what an annoyance it might have become not that it would have troubled him much had it not been for alice in whom he was rapidly finding that something for which he had always yearned and which never before had come to him in alice he thought that he saw a prospect of that supremest of all happinesses which can come to such a man as he a refined high-bred lady-wife other lovers he had known in his life abroad but not such love as this might be the loves of the past were not the kind to satisfy the desires of this refined gentleman with his aesthetic taste and courtly manners they were but freaks of foolish youth and now in his manhood he realized what they really were could he have left them undone he would gladly have done so but he was well out of them now and why should they trouble him be sure your sin will find you out he had heard this often had even applied it to the case of a poor defaulting clerk whom he had caught in the act and afterwards forgiven out of tenderness of heart he had told this young man to remember the injunction but to apply it to himself had never seemed an appropriate thing to do and he was right his sins would never find him out and why should they he was truly penitent and intended to sin no more and surely the little sins of his youth might be allowed to remain as they were since he meant to so sin never again and was in general a noble intentioned fellow who would be of more good than harm in the world could he have seen the future with what terrible force would the words have rung in his ears but no one ever foresees the outcome of his deeds and so we proceed in the belief that our sins at least are safely housed in oblivion there is no writing on the wall even in an unknown tongue to warn us and we go fearlessly on until the storm bursts and then we wonder why we should be thus harshly used by fate the summer days were come and the dodger family were gone that is they were comfortably housed in their cottage at long branch mr dodger was with them at night but he spent his days in the office for to do nothing was not to his liking albert was part of the time at the branch and had become one of the lions of the place especially in the estimation of certain ladies themselves settled who would have been pleased to see their daughters settled also that is if the catch were a good one but their angling was unsuccessful so far as albert was concerned he would not bite and alice who had by this time discovered that she liked him very well found herself wondering when he would declare himself for she knew now by the subtle instinct of womanhood that albert loved her once indeed he had almost done so they had been riding in the dusk along the beach and had driven back later into the country away from the lights and display which make the branch a pleasant place for those who are in love 
but not retired enough for those who wish to hear the thrilling words of love's first outspeakings and he had become very tender they were in fact talking of marriage do you really think that fidelity in marriage once established is sure to remain through all changes of time and circumstances he said i think that must depend upon the way in which the fidelity is obtained said alice of course i cannot speak for others with certainty i think that for myself if i once really loved a husband i never could become unfaithful to him in any way and by faithful i mean more than is meant in the words of the ordinary service i mean faithful to my belief in his goodness his love for me his purity of soul in all that is of him in short i know of but one thing which could ever turn me from a man i truly loved if i should ever find that he had lied to me that he had deceived me in his wooing that i think would turn my heart against him he might commit sins against another i would go with him even to the gallows but if i knew that he had lied to me i could no longer trust him and i know not what i might do anything is preferable to a marriage born of a lie i agree with you alice said he there is nothing which will kill affection like a lie i know it from experience and the silent sorrow of those whom i know to be suffering from the curse of a discovered lie is to me one of the most touching sorrows of earth to know that the one being who is dearer than all the universe to whom we have given our whole trust in whose keeping we have deposited our happiness has been to us a living lie is to know that which wears out the heart and crushes the soul happy is the man who has escaped this torment his voice trembled and he spoke with a fervour which touched his hearer like the confession of a soul-sick penitent alice found herself wondering what his past life might have been and whether he might not be speaking from his own experience so bitterly did his words sound he continued it is the hardest of sorrows to bear for one must bear it in silence the husband who has been deceived by a false wife can hope for no relief in confidence with another he cannot ask the woman whom he later finds to be the one being necessary to his happiness to be his wife for if she knows the truth she will not have him and if he tells her not he is a liar and sooner or later she may find it out and ruin will come with both her confidence he dares not invite so he suffers in silence and sees the paradise which may never be his as moses gazed upon the promised land wherein he might never dwell but said alice supposing that he should find a woman willing to hear his tale and with heart large enough and faith sufficient to share his past sorrow with him one who knowing all could not be deceived as to the past would he not then be doing right in wedding her provided she was in all respects what he really loved if she would but listen to him yes but alice where is such a woman to be found a woman willing for the sake of love and right to bear the stinging tongue of gossip the averted eye the aside remark and all else that the world inflicts upon the unfortunate i do not know said she but it seems to me that i loving as i must love the man to whom i give myself would bear all this and more should he find me worthy of him albert was almost at the point of telling her how he loved her a minute more and the fatal moment would have come fatal to her as well as to him 
but a carriage approached just then and in it were mrs vanderhoof and her daughter society people of the branch who bowed politely to albert and his companion who returned the salutation as the carriage passed the spell was broken and alice was saved would that the omen had been heeded would that albert had seen in the interruption of his intention the warning and remembering the injunction be sure your sin will find you out had dismissed marriage for ever from his thoughts would that he had prayed from the bottom of his heart deliver us from evil lead us not into temptation End of chapter 4